Welcome back to another episode of the Tide Talk Podcast. Stacy Blackwood here with my guy Jake Thomas. Jake, how you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. Just a little heartbroken from you know Saturday, but you know it's 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 not over with. Tide Tide will rise again. Yeah, I mean it's obviously the season didn't finish uh, the, the way we had hoped for. Uh, and that kind of all started against Mississippi State when, when two got injured and then the heartbreaking loss to Auburn. Uh, it's just uh, – it's been a tough few days, but, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest with you. The first 15 minutes after the game, I was pissed off. Mm-hmm. And after that, I just – I said, well, you know what, it's over with. Forget about it. And I've been pretty good ever since then. So, uh, Saturday – at like six o'clock, it was pretty tough. But but after that, I've been pretty good. And uh, how you holding up? I'm I'm all right. You know, it's um, yeah. I was I was with you. I was pissed off because you know we'll, we'll get more in depth into it. But you know, there was a couple of questionable calls, and and I was pissed off about that. I still don't think the SEC officiating has answered any of my tweets that I put out. I don't think they they've answered anybody's. I don't even think they've they've even been on Twitter this week. So I think they're kind of skirting around all the questions that and uh, missed calls that they've had, not in just this game, but the whole year. Well, I'm just going to say something about the SEC officiating office. The, this is the exact reason why fans get so pissed off is mm-hmm. because they're the ones that created a Twitter account and were tweeting stuff week in and week out about calls and games. And then all yep. of a sudden, in the biggest game, the biggest rivalry game to me, in my opinion, in the SEC, they have a couple really questionable calls in the game, and they have yet to address them nearly a week later. That's why nobody respects the SEC officiating office, because they're a joke, they're a bunch of punks, and they're too afraid to come out and admit that they were wrong. I mean, look, if you get it wrong, you get it wrong. They're, I know they're human. They're going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I un- I understand that, but be man enough to admit that you fucked up. Excuse my language. Yeah, I, that's the only way you can say it because it, it was. But anyways, I really didn't mean to go off on that tangent. But uh, we put out a, a tweet earlier, so let's just go ahead and move on before I get pissed off again. Uh, you know, uh, we put out a, a tweet today, you know, to kind of send some questions and uh. You know, our guy Andrew at, at A Terry 65, uh, he wants to know uh, who we think the best choice for replacing Pete Golding is. Uh, well, let's, start, let's just start off, and, and there has been no indication that Pete is, is going to be fired. There's been rumors, but, but as any rumor is, it's just a rumor. So until the university uh, announces anything, I mean, and he's still out recruiting for us. He was out the other day, I think, in Mississippi looking at a defensive tackle that's committed to us or somewhere. I, I, I seen that the other day. But uh, if he if he is gone, uh, you know, if you, realistically, um, you know, Charlie Strong's out there. Um, you know, there's, there, he's a really good defensive-minded coach. Um, the big thing about him is how he, how well he's doing recruiting. Um, of course, I, I would like Will uh, Muschamp if if he's let go. But I think they've come out and said they're going to stick with him another year, I think. Um, and then, you know, just a crazy off the wall. I know it's not going to happen, but, you know, it would be pretty cool. But um, that, little, that old coach that uh, 
got a got the paint slip in the NFL with Ron Rivera. You're talking about a defensive-minded coach there that, that I would love to have as well, but that's just wishful thinking. You know, I think all them guys – well, back to Pete Golden real quick. Saban has always done this with, with, with coaches. He lets them finish out the season. I mean, right. he, he, he does not fire guys uh, midseason. I know it's not midseason, but they do have a bowl game left. Uh, the early signing period is, is coming up. So he's now is not the time to fire an assistant, especially if they've been recruiting. But uh, So Saban's really sent him to guys that he either feels really good about you know that you know there's really zero chance that we're going to lose the commitment, or he's sending the guys that he knows we don't have any chance of of landing anyways. If you look at who Pete Golden has visited, so uh, I think that, I think it's you know pretty much written on the wall that that, that uh, Pete is going to be gone. Whether it's you know he kind of leaves on his own accord, or or Saban pushes him out the door, I do think he is gone. Uh, I. I'm not crazy about Charlie Strong. I think he's an okay defensive coach, uh, but I, I don't think he's built for for big time football. I did, that's just my opinion. He's been at Texas; their defenses were trash. That's uh, true. I, I just I just don't think he's built for big time football. Uh, I know he had a couple good runs at, at Louisville, but I, I just he had he had Teddy Bridgewater that that covered up a lot of of who they were. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not a huge Charlie Strong uh, supporter. Uh, Ron Rivera, that's a reach. He's he's not going to come to college. I, it wouldn't be surprised if, if – I think he's going to be an NFL coach next year. I do too. I mean, he's he, – the, the Panthers are idiotic for letting him go. I agree. I think it's – he's arguably the, their best coach they've ever had. Yeah, I mean, I know they made it. They've made it to one Super Bowl with him, and they made it to one with I think John Fox was the coach then, mm-hmm. uh, a long time ago. So I think you can make the argument that Ron Rivera is the best coach they've ever had. So that that's kind of a uh, I'm surprised that they they let him go. But I, I think he'll be a head coach in the NFL this next season. So that's that's not going to happen. Uh, most chance probably staying at South Carolina. Um, did you say anybody else, or was that the three you mentioned? That's the three that I mentioned. Yeah, yeah. You uh, yeah. Th- to me, I- I'm going to say one guy, and it- it's not a reach. But it- the only thing is, is that it-, it would be his real his first time being a defensive coordinator. And I know everybody wants to get a proven guy, but it's hard to get a proven guy. The proven guys are are where they're at, or they're going to be a head coach. It's 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 hard to get people to move laterally. So. Uh, the guy I'm talking about is, is somebody who who actually got his start at Alabama, and that's that's Glenn Schumann, who is the uh, the co defensive coordinator and the inside linebackers coach at Georgia, and uh, he got that title this year. The the previous three years he was the inside linebackers coach at Georgia. He was a a, a graduate assistant uh, at Alabama uh, from 2008 to 2014. Well, he was an undergrad analyst from 2008 to 2011. And then he, he become a graduate assistant uh, from 2011 to 2014, and uh, mm-hmm. for a couple of years he was the uh, the director of player development uh, at Alabama. So uh, he, he's an Alabama guy. Uh, he's from Texas, but he's his, his education comes from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you see what George has done defensively the last couple seasons. Uh, you see that they have guys on the inside. You know, this year and last year, that maybe were not quite as 
talented as what they had a couple years ago when they had a what was that guy's name Raquan Smith, that mm-hmm. inside linebacker who was a was a beast. He was a complete beast. They have not had the you know this super talented guys playing on the inside, but they play really well. I, I think and the the biggest thing for Schumann is he is a lights out recruiter. So. Uh, to me, that's somebody to watch. I don't know if Saban is going to go that route. He may try to go the route of hiring somebody that's, you know, uh, you know, well respected, or not. Not not that Glenn's not well respected, but somebody that's, you know, kind of more high caliber type name. So that's. But I do think Schumann is somebody to look out for. Uh, obviously, Jimmy Lake would have been my first choice, but now that he's the, the head coach of Washington after Chris Peterson randomly stepped down. Uh, that's obviously out of the question. So, uh, and Glenn Schumann, he's a young guy. He's only 29 years old. So, um, it, it would be a little bit of a reach for Saban to do that, mm-hmm. but at least you're getting a high level recruiter and, and somebody who knows the scheme, uh, you know, in there. And I think, I, I don't think you would lose any continuity, uh, you know, bringing in somebody like Glenn Schumann. And uh, you talked about scheme. Um, I was going to get your opinion on this. Um, I sent a lot of people, and I've talked to a lot of people who who think that, um, you know, Saban's scheme has, has passed him by. Like, like he needs to change it up instead of, you know, we run, um, you know, he's run the same defense for years. Um, well, what's your opinion on that? Uh, the only thing that I can, I can kind of think uh, – if if you go back and look at the Jeremy Pruitt defense when when he was at Alabama, it was it was a much more simpler defense. And and what I mean by that is he had he knew he had guys that could make plays, mm-hmm. so so he just kind of simplified the defense. I, he didn't play. I'm not going to say he played a lot of base type stuff, but it it was very basic football plays, and he just allowed his athletes to make plays because. 90% of the time, Alabama has the better athletes on the field. So I, I could see Saban getting back to more or something like that. I don't think mm-hmm. he should change the scheme. I don't think he should change the identity of the defense. But I, I think, you know, maybe simplifying things a little bit and letting these, you know, four- and five-star recruits make plays. But, you know, I, I'm not going to question a guy who's who's forgotten more football in the last three minutes than I'll know in my whole entire life. So, yeah. Uh, uh, that's a that's a slippery slope to be on, but uh, I do think it would probably be in the the best benefit to try to simplify some things uh, on the defensive side of the ball and, and see if that could kind of help the young guys, uh, you know, as they develop and, and learn the system. Yeah, I was going to going to make the comment that you know I I'm not going to go against whatever coaches coach decides because. I mean, he's won six national championships, and um, you know he he's turned that program around at Alabama, uh, following the the Bows and Franchoni and Price and Shula years. So, whatever he decides, you know, I'm I'm perfectly okay with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I think uh, Saban took a chance on on Pete. Uh, obviously, he was I mean, he was recommended by Bo Davis a couple of years ago to Nick Saban. And uh, I think for, for other reasons besides just football, Pete has not settled in and, and become the coach that he's, that he's probably capable of being. I think eventually he's going to be a good coach. 
I just don't think right now is the right time. And uh, uh, it was obviously a tough season for Alabama. And and you know, being being as truthful as possible, he he was he was fighting uphill battle anyway, losing Dylan Moses, losing Josh McMillan, losing LeBron Ray. So it's uh, he he had a he had a tough climb anyway. And uh, the defense just never could quite get things figured out. And uh, I think it's obvious that the, that the coaching staff is going to have to be, you know, shook up a little bit. And uh, it wouldn't be surprising if if Pete Golding is is not the only coach that, that's no longer a part of the, the staff come next season. I agree. Um, we also had another uh, question. It was from KB at uh, KitKat34. Um, she asked um, – would Tua be coming back or not, you know? And, um, you know, there's rumors going around uh, that there is potential that he may be uh, he may be coming back. Um, he's still weighing his options. I think he said today in his little little meeting session, uh, media session, that, you know, he's still weighing the options. And um, so, um, you know, I, I, I if he does come back, um, I, I don't think that's going to hinder Bryce Young coming at all. Um, I think Bryce will still come and, and commit and come and sign and uh and then he just sat behind Tua for a year. And that is if Tua does come back and he can play. I mean that there's still that little worry too. So um but but if he does come back, uh I think he's gonna be the the starter day one. Well, as far as Tua goes, there is a lot of rumors swirling that that he is leaning towards actually returning to Alabama right now that he is, he is really considering, uh, you know, making the return to Alabama to, uh, to not only improve his draft stock, but to, to kind they kind of have unfinished business. I mean, Tua has not, I mean, I, you got to call a spade a spade and it hadn't been because I don't want to say, and it hadn't been because of Tua. I don't, I'm not, I don't want people to misconstrue, misconstrue what I'm saying here, but, since second and 26 happened, I don't think there's any doubt that two has been the best player in college football. But since second and 26 happened, we haven't won anything. I know we won the SEC championship game last year, but that don't, that, that's not what Alvin wants. I mean, right. Alvin wants national championships. Mm-hmm. So I, I, think, I think this season was a disappointment. I think the, the end of last season was a disappointment, uh, you know, losing to Clemson the way we did. So I, I think there's – there's some guys that, that have that, you know, unfinished business mentality. And, you know, kind of like Clemson guys had a couple of years ago, you know, when they when all four of their defensive linemen come back, uh, when, when they all would have been first-round picks. So, I, yeah. I, I have a the, – the fan of me wants them all to come back. But the, the, the realistic part of me wants them to go pro and get their money. I mean, I, I don't want anybody to turn down millions of dollars. So – Exactly. I I don't I don't know what two is going to do. I know I wish two nothing but the best, regardless of what he does. Two has been a class act and a a just a great person to represent the University of Alabama. So we wish him nothing but the best, uh, regardless. But I I don't think this is going to be an easy decision for Tua. I I, I really think he's he is going to struggle with this for the next couple of weeks, and I'm I'm not sure. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't think he'll wait till January twentieth, mm-hmm. but I don't expect it in the next week. I, I think it's going to be a couple more weeks. Uh, it may happen by the time the new year rolls around, but uh, I, 
from from what I'm hearing, uh, it's really 50-50 right now. And it's a legitimate 50-50. It's not yeah. a, he's just saying it's 50-50. It is legitimately 50-50. He does not know what he's going to do. So, uh, I mean, it's uh, it could go either way right now. So, I don't really know. And uh, But like I said, we, we obviously wish two and nothing but the best. And uh, uh, we, we appreciate those questions from, uh, from KB and from, from Andrew. Uh, mm-hmm. We appreciate everybody, you know, listening to us. So that's, uh, you know, let's hang in there, fans. Uh, we, we got a big basketball game tomorrow night uh, yeah. with Stephen F. Austin, the team that upset Duke a couple weeks ago. So uh, make sure you, you tune into that game. If you can make it down there to Tuscaloosa to watch and play, do that. Uh, so uh, we still got to sure. go sometime soon, man. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to be going down there at least once this this season to watch the Tide. Uh, so uh, we hope y'all uh, y'all support the, the team. Uh, the Bahamas, I think the Bahamas went about how I thought the Bahamas would go. Uh, I was re- I, they went one and two in the Bahamas, uh, the long win against Southern Miss. I was hoping the win would would uh, come against Iowa State, but uh, just uh, Iowa State played really well offensively. Alabama did not play well defensively, so that was just kind of. Kind of one of those things, but you know this team's this team is still growing. They're trying to figure out their way in NATO's system, and uh, I, I think uh, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to the basketball season, especially when conference play gets here, to to see how much this team has improved. You know, from the from the first tip of the season to you know to early January when when you start playing some conference games. Yeah, and you know uh, we talked to uh, Samuel uh, a little bit about about Alabama basketball and. You know, we made the comment um, that we dealt with some injuries on the basketball side as well. That's kind of hindered, uh, I guess, the, you would I would call it the process of uh, NATO. Because, uh, I mean, he's down to like seven, eight guys total, only three coming off the bench during the game. So, I mean, he's got a lot of guys that's having to play, you know, a lot of minutes. And um, and they're just they're just struggling with turnovers. And, and they're all running a different system, more up-paced up system. So, they're trying to they're trying to get the legs under under that, but uh, Bama fans, I've got uh, I've got some good news uh, to share real quick. Um, Furman is up on Auburn, fifty one to forty five with ten minutes left to go in that game. So uh, in the in basketball, so um, let's go Furman. Don't get your hopes up. Auburn's going to win the game. <laughs> I know. I, I I hate to be pessimistic, but that's. Auburn's going to win that game. They'll find a way to win. They always do. They they don't lose those types of games. Auburn. I mean that you uh, you got to call a spade a spade. Auburn does not lose those types of game under Bruce Pearl. He's he, he the, the guys are ready to play for him. So I just I just don't see that happening. But you know, ne- never say never. But uh, I think that's all we got for tonight. Jake mentioned we we had a chance to uh, speak with uh with Samuel Woolard of uh, No Huddle Sports. Uh, yeah. So, so af- after this segment right here, it's going to go straight to our interview with him. So make sure y'all stick around for that. Uh, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, he has, you know, great insight. He's a uh, he's an NC State Wolfpack fan, so he kind of gives a, a fresh perspective on on the the Alabama program and, and kind of the the SEC. And uh, we even uh, let him talk a little bit about his NC State team and you know yeah. kind of what he's expecting from his program. So. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I hope y'all stick around and listen to that. Uh, before we let y'all go here, make sure you uh, follow us on Twitter at Tide Talk underscore pod. 
use the hashtag Tide Talk. Uh, you can follow me, Stacy Blackwood, at Blackwood89. And I'm at Jake Thomas Tide. All right, guys. Hey, we appreciate it. Appreciate the support. We appreciate the interaction on Twitter. Uh, keep those questions and comments coming and, uh, you know, retweet our stuff so we can, you know, get more followers. We're hoping to get to a thousand before the end of the, or before the end of the year. So, yeah. uh, we hope we can get there, but until then, or until next time, uh, roll tide guys. Roll tide. Welcome back to the Tide Talk podcast. We are joined now by Samuel Woolard of No Huddle Sports. Uh, he is a, he kind of told us he's an ACC guy. He is an NC state fan. So mostly we wanted to bring him on. We've, we've kind of gotten to know each other through Twitter and, uh, uh, we just wanted kind of a fresh perspective, you know, outside of the Alabama fan base on, you know, what, you know, what he sees in the program and, you know, what he's seen from the Tide this year and uh, kind of just his perspective. Uh, like we said, you know, we're, we're generally, you know, joined by fellow Alabama fans or, you know, people who are on the Alabama beat. So it's, uh, it's going to be nice to have a, a new, uh, you know, perspective, uh, you know, on the podcast. So we're glad to be joined. So, so Sam, we appreciate you having us on, or you being on with us. Yeah, man. Hey guys. Thanks for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. Um, I've listened to some of your stuff. I think you guys put out a good podcast every week or bi-weekly, depending on what you guys have going on. So yeah, I'm excited to talk Alabama football. And unfortunately for you guys, the game on Saturday and kind of the season overall and the bowl season and kind of where you guys see things going in 2020. So uh, it should be, it should be fun. Yeah, so, you know, speaking of last week, uh, we don't want to dwell on it too much, obviously. But, uh, you know, it did happen. It's, it was a lot of obviously disappointing. Uh, I guess, you know, I, I'm assuming you got to watch a little bit of the game or all of the game. I don't know. But, you know, did you what, – what was your takeaway from that game in particular? I was out of town, so I didn't watch the whole game. I did uh, travel for the Thanksgiving holiday. But I did keep up with it on my phone, and I did end up watching the final probably – 10 minutes of the fourth quarter. So I didn't get to see what I think what people would say would be a very epic iron bowl. It'd definitely be one for the storybooks. The thing I thought that surprised me the most was traditionally both teams are very defensive oriented. I wouldn't say the highest scoring game, but to have a 48 to 45 game in the iron bowl with a lot of offense was good to see, but also very different for me. Um, I didn't expect that. I don't know if you guys expected that. I expected something more in the 20s. Maybe whoever got to 30 would win. Um, I I didn't know which way it would go. I knew it would maybe be a six-point game or a three-point game. I didn't know there would be a controversial call at, at halftime with a, a field goal that, that may decide it. But I think the most interesting thing to me was the amount of points. Did you guys see that being a high-scoring game, or did you kind of see it more like me in the 20s? I, I was I was more in the maybe maybe one team could get to the thirties, but I, I I did not see both teams getting in the forties. What about you, Jake? Uh, you know I knew that uh, that Alabama. I said all week that Alabama had no problem scoring against uh, Auburn, even with their good defensive front. But on the back side, we even talked about it. Their linebackers and and secondary is kind of kind of weak. So I, I knew we could score, and uh, and I believe in I I felt good in Mac, and he had a real good game. But um, but it being that high of a scoring game, no, I did not see that at all. Yeah, the the especially you know I've been playing with a backup quarterback. It's his first true road start uh, in a one of the toughest places to play in the country, where where strange things happens, and, and you saw that Saturday. 
And so I, I was – he made – Mac Jones, he made two mistakes the whole game. But they were costly mistakes. I mean, it was it was 14 points the other way. And really, you could look at one of them as a 14-point swing in and of, of itself because Alabama was first and goal at the one-yard line, and Auburn goes 98 yards for, on a pick six. So it's uh, that's a 14-point swing right there, you know, m- most likely. So that's it was. It's definitely tough the way Alabama lost. You know, it's you're not going to win every game. I I don't really get too down in losses, but. You know, just the way the way they lost was just—it was heartbreaking. It, it just, especially you know, even down to the last play of the game when they they send twelve guys on the field on the on the fourth down play, and, and it gives Auburn a first down, and you don't even get the ball back with it. To, you know, to try to have a chance to win it. That was, it was just really disappointing in, in the fashion that they lost. I'd, to hit on that, Stacey, I'd agree with you. We talked earlier before we started recording, and. I think you said that Alabama had, you know, 13 or 14 penalties, and that's very uncharacteristic of a, you know, a Nick Saban team. So I didn't know if that was the, you know, the new quarterback or the, the pressure of the game or the flow of the game, but I just thought that was also very uncharacteristic of a, an Alabama team in a, in a high-pressure game because they don't like playing in high-pressure games. It's something that they're in at least two or three of them every season. So this, I thought, would fall into that game type of game, and it did. But that's not the typical Alabama team to have that many penalties. Well, and, and as Alabama fans, we, we've seen it all season long. This is Nick Saban's most penalized team at Alabama. I, I'm, Jake, isn't it like 12, 11 or 12 penalties a game that they've, yeah. that they've averaged? It's, uh, it's just uh, – and, and most of – I bet at least 50% of, of the uh, penalties this season have been false starts on the offense, and it's just – I don't understand it because most of the offensive linemen are, are, are guys that's played for a couple of years, and uh, it was just it was just kind of one of those seasons where, you know, Alabama really couldn't get out of their own way. They didn't have any any luck with injuries, lost key guys. I mean, even before Tua went down, it was the the entire front seven. The defense was pretty much you know freshmen. So it's just uh, it, it just really wasn't Alabama's year, and. Uh, I mean, I know that kind of sounds like an excuse with the injuries and, and all that, but it, it is what it is. It is the fact of the matter. And, you know, when, when you commit 13 penalties on the road, then you also throw two pick sixes, you're not going to win the football game. That's just – it's not going to happen. I, I don't I don't care if we had John Elway at quarterback. That it, it just – it's not going to happen. Jake, do you have anything to add on, on the game? You know, before we no. – you know, it, it, like you said, it's heartbreaking, uh, you know, but but like I stated earlier, um, Matt Jones in his first big time, you know, away game in a, in a hostile environment, he, he played out of his mind. And and I know we've got some uh, we've got a really good guy uh, coming in next year, uh, Bryce Young. And there's that rumor that two may be coming back. We don't know for sure. But, you know. It's going to be hard to to uh, to win win out over Matt Jones because he's got experience and he's played, you know, he played big time football uh, last Saturday. Well, that that kind of leads into my uh, my next talking point was, you know, I just wanted to kind of get each of y'all's perspective on, you know, what to look forward to. Obviously, you know, with with the bowl game coming up, obviously it hasn't been set yet, but. Uh, you know, there's rumors of certain games, you know, like Michigan or, or somebody like that that they could play in the bowl game. But uh, just, 
more on Alabama. What what do you see, you know, for, for this team, you know, this bowl season and leading into the 2020 season? I think it'll be – oh, okay, thanks, Jake. I think it'll be interesting because, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first year that Alabama's missed the playoffs, correct? They've made it every year. Correct, yeah. So, so I mean, you can't make it every year, but to be it in it every single year, at least be in the conversation, is a huge accomplishment. I'm really curious to see how this team responds to a, a bowl game that's not in the college football playoff. You know, is it something they get, still get up for? Is it something that they – they're still probably going to play a really good team. I Like you, Stacy said, they may see Michigan. They may see Penn State. I've heard Minnesota potentially. So they're not going up against – a team that hasn't been on the national radar all year, they're going up against some some good teams from potentially the Big Ten or maybe another conference. So I'm curious to see how they respond to being in a situation that they haven't been in a while, to not being in the highest profile bowl game. Do they come out flat and kind of, well, we're in a bowl game. Yeah, we're here. It is what it is. Or do they really get up for it? And we still want to win this bowl game, finish the season off strong, and kind of wash the bad taste out of their mouth of the Iron Bowl. What do you think, Jake? Uh Good point, man. Uh, Samuel, that, uh, you know, a couple, I think it was um, 2010, you know, we, we was really hopped up and, and it was a big letdown season there, I think it was. And I think we played, was it Utah? No, or, Mich- Michigan State. Michigan State. Yeah. And that's when, you know, we, we went off and, and dominated. But, but there's also been times where we have not made the national championship or the playoff and, and we just laid an egg like we didn't really want to be there so I, i'm with you i'm going to see how this team um approaches the the um the bowl and see if they they come out uh fighting and uh i mean really to be honest that that last ranking ought to lot of fire on them because i did not think they're a number 12 team in the, in the country yeah i, I mean obviously I, I don't think so either but i, I don't want to sound like a homer but yeah i I don't think there's 11 teams that are better than Alabama right now. I mean, if you just look at it. I know resume is – but I don't like to get into the resume talk because, I mean, you, you look at – I mean, would, would would Alabama still be undefeated if they played Clemson's schedule? That's – I mean, so it's, it's not – you can't really compare teams just based on resume. You have to watch how they play and, and how they compete and, you know, what kind of players they have on the field. What I mean, I think it's – I hate to use the word eye test, but I mean, I think if you use the eye test, I I don't see eleven teams that are better than Alabama. But that's we can we could talk about that a different day. <laughs> I, I would agree with you on that too. I, I think they they dropped and they dropped hard, and, and that's kind of unprecedented from what I've seen in the committee. And when you look at their losses, you lose to um, what many people have as, you know, the number one or the number two team in the country uh, in LSU and in our tribal in Auburn. In both those games, you're putting up big points. It's not like you get laid a goose egg in either one of those games. So you're putting up points and the team just your opponent just happens to score more points than you, whereas some of the other teams in the top 10 or 12 they laid a goose egg and that counted for one of their two losses. So I, I kind of agree, but like you, you can compare resumes and schedules all day long, but that kind of surprised me of how far Alabama dropped uh, in the latest uh, CFP rankings. Yeah. But kind of getting back to the, to the bowl, the bowl game, the, the thing I'm looking forward to is Alabama has a lot of underclassmen that 
you know, this is kind of in the new age of, of college football. Uh, we have guys that sit out in bowl games if, if it's not a playoff game. So I'm, I'm interested to see what if if any of the underclassmen or, you know, seniors that are, you know, likely going to be taken pretty high in the draft if they if they sit out. I mean, that, that would be a – I mean, on the offensive side of the ball, you, you look at our top three, three wide receivers right now, they're all projected to be first-round picks. I mean, can you imagine if all three of those guys sat the game? I and mean, that's that's even with Alabama's depth, that's a that that would be a huge blow in that game. And I, that's what I'm I'm looking forward to. I, but I mean, honestly, I've heard rumors that there's there's actually some guys that are juniors that are high profile guys that are you know kind of considering coming back. You know, they have unfinished business. They don't like the way this season played out, and they they feel like this team can accomplish more. So. That's something to watch for, for the next couple of weeks, you know, heading into the new year. I think the juniors have to decide by January 20th. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's a long time after the uh, the bowl game, so uh, we'll be past that. But I, I do think it's something to watch, you know, the, the juniors and the seniors that are draft eligible, if, if they actually even suit up, you know, this bowl season with it not being a playoff game. I do have one question for both of you. Yeah, um, about the bowl bowl season, is there a particular bowl game as a fan that you know you're not going to be in the playoff that you would like to see Alabama land or a specific opponent you think would be a good game or would kind of maybe rekindle an old rivalry from you know early 2000s or 90s or any particular opponent you'd like to see Alabama go up against? Go ahead, Jake. Um, there's been rumors, of course, that uh. You know, we could end up playing Oklahoma as well. Uh, I think, it, you know, it, it'd be more special if we had Tua. But, you know, seeing Jalen again, uh, I, I'd like that. Um, I've really been high on uh, on Minnesota all year. Of course, they, they kind of uh, blew it last week. I was I was one of the ones that thought that they actually might give Ohio State some fits if they made the conference championship game. And, of course, they, they blew it last week. But uh, I think that'd be a fun, fun matchup. Um, and uh, – you know, Penn State, that's, uh, that's another good – to, to me, though, I didn't get to watch much Penn State this year, but to me, it don't, they don't – they kind of lack, I don't know, like an offensive identity, but they don't seem like they score a lot of points. So, you know, um, and, you know that, that might be an interesting matchup as well, especially with a young defense. I, see, I'm, I'm all – I want to play Michigan. I want to play Jim Harbaugh. I can't stand Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> that's, that's more of a person a – person. <laughs> A personal beef. I I want to beat down Michigan simply because Jim Harbaugh is their coach, and they and they could wind up whooping us. But I, I want the opportunity to play Michigan, just on a. I mean, it, simply because of Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> but that's. Is there anything like you know from the outside? Who? What kind of matchup would you like to see? Kind of you know, bouncing off of your question. I just thought Michigan would be a good um, opponent. I think Michigan's always in the top 25, and no matter what they do, they always kind of hang around the top 25. So I don't know what to make about Michigan sometimes. I mean, they're a national program, a good brand. But, you know, they didn't really look that good against Penn State till the end of the game and made it closer than it really was. Didn't look that great against Ohio State at all. Um, And so they've kind of hung around. But I think it would be neat to see – I don't want to say an upstart because it'd still be just a bowl game, not a playoff, but a perennial power like Alabama, you know, they're always in the conversation. Are they going to get another national title? Are they going to repeat, repeat against maybe an upstart team? Like if they did play a Baylor, if they did play a Minnesota, um, to kind of see where those programs are 
do they do they really have what it takes to compete with a, a team that's always in the national uh, the national uh, championship conversation every year, or they just have a really good year? I think that'd be an interesting matchup of kind of some the old guard versus the new guard. So I, I think if they played like a Baylor or Minnesota, would be an interesting matchup. Yeah, and and by the way, I like both Minnesota and and Baylor's head coaches. I think PJ Fleck and Matt Rule are are really good coaches that are, you know, eventually I think going to be at you know some of the what they call you know blue blood schools. So I, I think they're definitely got good programs. Uh, especially you, you talk about like Matt Rule, what he what he took over at Baylor, you know, after that whole. Uh, just embarrassing situation. I don't really know how, how else to put it for that university. And, you know, in just a couple of years, he's got them, you know, right in the thick of things. I mean, they, they, they very they can, they can beat Oklahoma. You saw what they done in the first half of that game. So, uh, I, that's to me, that's the, you know, kind of looking ahead. That's, that's kind of the championship game I'm looking forward to most is the, is the big 12 championship game with Oklahoma and Baylor. Now, now correct me, but wasn't, uh, Baylor like, wasn't they like a five win team? Just like maybe last year, a couple of years ago. So, like you said, the the turnaround he's had there has been been amazing to see. Yeah, they've they've. Uh, I, I want to say even his first year there, they went like one and eleven, if if I'm not mistaken. And they stuck and, uh, with. It. Yeah, I mean, well, they 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 weren't going to get anybody else with the with the situation that they had. Right. I'm I'm doing a little quick, you know, yeah, search here. I'm doing a little quick research too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, here, here, 2017 was his first season. They went one and eleven. Last oh. year they were seven and seven and six, and, and right now they're eleven and one. So uh, he he knows how to turn some things around. Mm-hmm. And PJ Flake did the same thing in Minnesota. Yeah, they and you know and and, and they kind of do it in two different ways. You know, you know PJ Fleck is a you know rah rah type guy, and and Matt Rule seems a little more I don't know laid back. Is I don't know if that's the right word, but you know they kind of have two different personalities, and, and you know it's. I just like seeing those young coaches like that turn around programs, and uh, then eventually kind of get one of them big time jobs. But you know, Baylor's really not that bad of a job. I mean, if you think about it, you're in Texas, uh, so you're going to be able to get some players because there's just thousands and thousands of them in the state. Uh, you know, right now UT is not what UT was, so uh, you, you can. Really, the biggest threat in the state is is A and M at this point, and and really Jimbo's still trying to build that down there. So, uh, you know, Baylor might be a good situation for the next couple seasons for Matt Rule. Well, that kind of went all that went way off from Alabama, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but since we're since we're on this topic and we're way off Alabama, uh, since you're an NC State guy. Uh, you know what? What are some things you'd like to see that program improve on? To, I know uh, it's been maybe two, three, four years ago they was in the top twenty-five. So, well, what has changed and what needs to be done? You feel like to uh, make that, you know, be more competitive against like Clemson and stuff. I, I think the biggest thing is consistency um, and winning the games you should win. Our biggest hurdles of you know we're favored in a game or. We're the better team. We have a five and one record playing a three and three team or something like that. Mm-hmm. Our biggest foes have been Wake Forest, Boston College, and Syracuse have been killers for us the past couple of years. I just think consistency. Uh, last year they won nine game or two nine games, nine games two years in a row. Excuse me, 
So mm-hmm. they've they've been able to do it, but just putting the program together and recruiting those players, they've been really good at developing players, you know, taking a two-star recruit or three-star recruit and developing them to be in the NFL or to be the star of the, of the program. But mm-hmm. to find those recruits and those diamonds in the rough early on uh, has been hard. So I think the thing that I'm looking for the most is to get consistently eight wins a season. I'm not reaching for the moon. We're not on Clemson's level and we're not going to be there for a couple years. But to get there, I think if you can consistently win eight and four, nine and three, eight and four to get there, then you can slowly start building the program. I know you're not going to save it in one year, but I think the biggest thing from this year was defense and adjustments. Several games we'd be leading in the first half Maybe not by a lot, but we'd be leading in the first half or tied in a, in a game that we really didn't have business being tied with, and then that would just be flat. Um, mm-hmm. Be the same type of offense, same type of defense, and and the opponent would adjust what we were doing well or what we d- weren't doing well, and it would work for them. So I think the biggest thing for me as a fan, and I try to be pretty objective, and it's hard as you guys know, is <laughs> um, <laughs> just a consistently. Um, if you can, you know, you're not going to be Clemson year in and year out, but if you can sneak a win against them, that'd be a, a program uh, building win. But if you can beat the teams that are struggling, the, the Wake Forests, the Dukes, um, the Syracuses, the Georgia Techs, uh, if you can start getting those consistent wins, then the other big upsets will come. So I'm just looking for consistency is my main thing. Uh, injuries were big this year, but that just wasn't our year for for health and injury so i think if we can next year for seven and five eight and four would be a huge boost compared to what this year was speaking of injuries did wasn't the quarterback situation just injury riddled completely <laughs> it wasn't really injury riddled it was more who's the best it was kind of you take three guys all about the same talent um Matt McKay started the first, I think, four games of the season, and then Bailey Hockman came in against Florida State. He played a couple games, got a win against Syracuse, and then Devin Leary came in, the freshman, for the, the last part of the season. It really wasn't injuries. It was just not moving the ball, not being accurate. Um, and we've been accustomed to, to some great quarterbacks. Uh, Ryan yeah. Finley was there last year, and he's with the Bengals now. Um, you know, you have Russell Wilson, Rivers. That's going way back, but – Right. Even Mike Lennon, he was he was a good quarterback. So we've been spoiled by having good quarterbacks um, to, to lead the offense. But this year it was just kind of, here's three guys. They're all kind of about the same. And no one ever really got the ball rolling. Um, it was all their first years having the opportunity to lead the offense. So that probably some growing pains there. But I won't say any other three really took the reins to, to stand out head and shoulders above the rest. So... I know Matt McKay's transferring where to, I don't know, but he announced that on Sunday right after the UNC loss. So he's gone and, and Bailey Hockman and Devin Leary will still be there, but depending on who's coming in and maybe some grad transfers, um, it's still kind of anybody's game to see who is the quarterback in 2020. Well, that was going to be my, my next question was, you know, with, with McKay transferring, do you feel like, you know, either Bailey or Devin have a have a leg up, or do you think it's pretty much neck and neck still, even though Leary finished the season? It was funny you asked. I talked to my friend. He he covers NC State in the beat in Raleigh, and I asked him that exact same question. He said, to be honest, the transfer portal is 
you know, kind of like fantasy land in college football. Now everyone enters and everyone comes out and all kinds of crazy things happen from the transfer portal. So who knows who we may get from the transfer portal or if we even get someone. So I think if we get someone from the transfer portal, maybe that person has a leg up depending on who it is. But if it's, you know, just the incoming freshman class, then I'd like to think that Leary um, and Hawkman have a leg up. But which one? I would probably lean towards Leary because he finished the season probably had a little bit more playing time than Hawkman. But as of today, I'd say those two guys are the best two, but you could flip a coin as who gets to start on week one against Mississippi state in 2020. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll we'll make it, we'll make a deal with you. If Tua for some odd reason does come back (laughs) and Mac Jones enters the transfer portal, we'll do everything we can to get him up to NC state. Yeah, I will. I will send you guys some North Carolina barbecue down there if that happens. So <laughs> just let me know. <laughs> oh man. Well, hey, we appreciate you being on with us, and uh, we hope you we can have you back on again sometime. I don't. Do you do you watch much college hoops? We we're big college hoops guys too. So I don't. I don't know if you're into that, but uh, obviously Alabama's kind of rebuilding right now with a new coach. I don't. I don't. I don't know much about NC State right now, but uh, I didn't know if you kept up with that much. I do. Uh, I'm I'm a big basketball fan. I I love pretty much anything college sports. I watched NC State beat Wisconsin last night, so that was a huge win for us. Oh wow! Um, yeah. But but yeah, I I will gladly talk Alabama or SEC basketball with you guys. Um, it's always fun. I think the SEC is a kind of a underrated conference in basketball. Sometimes it, it might not be top to bottom the best, but some of the teams at the top year in and year out are always talking about national titles. Or, you know, making the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight. And Alabama's had a couple of good runs in the years past. I mean, they're, they're a, I think, a program that's kind of underrated in basketball. They kind of get lumped in underneath, you know, Florida and Kentucky and the SEC. But I think it's a good program, and they definitely have a good athletic department. So I'd be curious to see where Alabama basketball goes this year. Yeah, speaking of, a lot of people don't know this. Actually, Alabama has the second most wins in SEC history behind Kentucky. So, I mean, historically, they're 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 you know obviously they're they're a good ways behind Kentucky, but that uh, they are traditionally one of the one of the better teams in the conference. So we're excited to have Nate Oates at Alabama because we believe that he can he can turn the th- the program around, uh, and we're just kind of excited to see where that goes. And we actually play uh, Stephen F. Austin tomorrow night, which is obviously who upset Duke a couple weeks ago. So <laughs> we're kind of nervous about that game now. Yeah, Yeah, I actually watched that game. That was a surprise. But I think the SEC has good basketball, and and I always love watching the SEC tournament and seeing who comes out of that. And I think sometimes it's an underrated conference for basketball. So, yeah, anytime you guys want to talk basketball, let me know. Uh, I'll gladly be up for that kind of discussion. Do you guys have any uh, expectations for Alabama this year, or do you just kind of want to finish middle of the pack in the SEC would be a, a big win? Uh, middle of the pack, really, and and mostly it has to do with with what happened in the preseason. The, the football injuries kind of went to the basketball team as well. Uh, that that we lost two guys to season-ended injuries uh, before the season even started, and uh, it, it, they both played the same position. It was our our starting four, and then our our backup four was uh, both tore their ACL. So it's uh, it was it, this season's already has kind of been. Kind of tore apart with with injuries. It's, it wasn't a deep team to begin with, and uh, now with those two injuries, it's it's kind of put a put a. I don't know what to how how to put it. it just hadn't 
they hadn't jailed yet, and, and it's mostly because of injuries and having to play play some young guys that really weren't wasn't ready to play yet. And uh, but I think the team can improve throughout the non conference schedule, and then by the time because the non conference schedule is legit. I mean, they've already played North Carolina and Iowa State, and you know that Stephen F. Austin is not a pushover. Uh, they they travel to Penn State next week, so that's they, they play some good out of conference teams that can help prepare them when it gets to SEC play. And, you know, once you get to conference play, it's, you know, you really never know what's going to happen there. So uh, I think as long as they can get to, to, to conference play above 500, I, I think this team can do do some, you know, some pretty good things and finish, you know, kind of seventh or eighth in, in the SEC. Yeah, you know, I and another thing that really hurt uh, in the offseason for basketball was, of course, the JQ. Uh, getting denied on his waiver, uh, I would really like to see what he could he could have done. Uh, but right now, talking about talking about all the injuries, you know, I think uh, Nate Oates is only playing like seven or eight people. You know, he's only got seven or eight guys to go to, so that means like what three off the bench at, at the most. So I mean, he's he's in a, he's in a, a tough spot right now. But I have no doubt we've already got a Keon uh, is a Keon Ambrose uh, committed and. Um, so that's one one good pickup. So um, the, the future looks bright. Uh, but talking about this year, um, I would say I just want to see improvement uh, as a as the year goes on, which I believe it will come SEC time. I think we'll cut down on all the turnovers we had. So um, you know I, I'm excited. So I, I, I you know seven eight uh, I believe is, is realistic in the SEC. Hey, well. Hey, we appreciate you joining us, Samuel, and uh, we'll hope you can yeah, be back with us, uh, you know, sometime again in the future. And uh, hey, won't you let everybody know where they can follow you at on Twitter and, and where they can find you at on No Huddle Sports? Yeah, if you go to Twitter, uh, I'm at SJ Willard, and I contribute to No Huddle Sports. It's at underscore No Huddle Sports, and we're that's the same on all platforms: Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So check us out. The cover a little bit of everything from college basketball, college football, to hockey, baseball, NBA, a little bit of everything. So uh, you might find something special about your team there, or your favorite sports. So check us out at Noodle Sports. All right. Hey, Sam, you appreciate talking with us, and you have a good evening. Thanks for having Thank me, you, guys. Have a good night, too. See you. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks again for listening to Tide Talk. We really appreciate all the support. And uh, until next time, roll Tide.